Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And now, move the sticks. The Super Bowl with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Castrol Edge. DJ Bucky Rhett back with you here for a takeaway podcast slash video show. What's up, fellas? How we doing? Man, we're good. We had a great night of football. Super Bowl 55 was one of the best Super Bowls that I have seen just from a tactical standpoint. It may not have lived up to what everyone else wanted to see with the fireworks, but I think it was one of the best chess matches that I've seen with the defensive coordinator in Todd Bowles taking on Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and this high-powered Kansas City Chiefs offense. Yeah, I mean, it was the best plan and best execution of a plan defensively we've seen against Patrick Mahomes in his career as a starter. I mean, points and it, it's as simple as that, and it comes on the biggest stage in the NFL. No better time for it. Uh, so many reasons to celebrate the Buccaneers tonight, uh, today, and, and I know we're going to do that here uh, in the next few minutes. 
Yeah, we've got five takeaways we're going to get to from the Super Bowl. Also, Buck had a chance to sit down with Kadarius Toney, one of the more explosive players in the upcoming draft. A wide receiver out of the University of Florida had a chance to visit with him uh, down there at the Reese's Senior Bowl. So we'll have that interview uh, as well. But let's get things kicked off here, guys, with this Super Bowl, which was really pretty lopsided. And the first takeaway from me, uh, the, the Bucks just superior in the trenches. Just five minutes remaining. Oh, what a hit! But Mahomes is just hammered. By Indomitian Sue. Yeah, it was not close uh, in this game, and it really was a result of what the line of scrimmage looked like. I mean, we, we can we can evaluate these games in the run-up, and, and we do it every year, and you look at this, that, or the other. It's blocking and tackling, right? I mean, that's, that's what football has always been. It's what it will always be. And I just thought Tampa was much better in the trenches. When you look at them defensively, you heard Sue on the sack there. You had Sue and Vita Vea uh, both kind of moving around on that front, getting a lot of push. Uh, pushing that pocket. Then you had the immediate wins with Shaq Barrett and JPP on the edge, uh, just winning right now and creating pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And then what happens when you create that pressure, then you get the imagined pressure where Mahomes is not on time. He bailed out of a couple of the clean pockets that he did have. He just never got comfortable uh, back there. Then you flip it over to the other side and that offensive line, I mean, you look at, at their uh, the way they're able to run the football and you look at the one-on-ones up front the line of scrimmage. A lot of Tristan Wirfs uh, moving around uh, Frank Clark there at the line of scrimmage. You saw Ali Marpet on the long touchdown run to Fournette pull out and show his athleticism. I, I just thought talent-wise, Buck, when you looked at these two teams in the trenches in this contest, it wasn't close. No, it wasn't close. Uh, DJ, the playoff football, big-time football, is really big boy football, meaning the bigs determine who wins games. And we talk about it, but we don't really give enough I mean, be attention to the offense and defensive line play. But in this game, what we saw, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line absolutely controlled the game. Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican Sue, Vita Vea, they did whatever they wanted to do at the line of scrimmage, and they made life miserable for Patrick Mahomes. On the offense, they were able to run the football. They moved bodies. They moved the Kansas City Chiefs off the line. They imposed their will. And in the trenches, they were able to dominate. And when we go back and we talk about this this game for the last hundred years if you dominate the trenches more times than not you win the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just provided another example of why big boys win down in these big games I think oftentimes when we talk about a game of this magnitude and we get two weeks to do it like we do for the Super Bowl uh, so many of these matchups that we say man these are going to be so big end up you know maybe not mattering uh, as much but I mean I think all three of us realize that the matchup of this game it's going to be those tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs on offense trying to slow down and match up with the rush of the Tampa Bay Bucks, And that was the biggest matchup of this game. And you got to think about the injury to Eric Fisher, you know, it infected three spots. Yes, it affected the left tackle, but it affected the right tackle because Rimmers moved from right to left. It affected the, the you know, the right guard because you had to get Wisniewski in for Wiley, who moved over to right tackle from right guard to replace Rimmers. It was replacing Fisher. I mean, this was a depleted Chiefs offensive line. It's not an excuse. These are all NFL players. But, you know, it was clear that the Bucks had that edge and they played like it and executed like it uh, on Sunday. And, you know, if we're talking about the uh, offensive line in the trenches as well for the Bucks winning, I mean – 
you know, if we're talking about top right tackles in all of the NFL, it's not going to take too long to, to, to mention Tristan Wirfs' name. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. Really a great year, a great class of offensive tackles in last year's draft. And Tristan Wirfs was the best of that of that bunch. And we're going to see another influx of talent at the position this year because uh, if you watch this game, you better load up uh, on the trenches. That's uh, that's pretty obvious. Uh, we got here, Buck. What's the uh, takeaway number two? You know, my second takeaway is there's no such thing as too much talent. Here's the snap out of the gun. Play action fake. Pass to Gronkowski. He's going to score a touchdown. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Holy Gronkaboli. He breaks the record. He's got his 23rd touchdown in the postseason from Tom Brady. Brady to Gronkowski for the th- 23rd time in the postseason. You know, you know, DJ, we always talk about this, and it's like an old coach talked about it. It's not the X's and O's. It's the Jimmy's and Joe's. Jimmy's and the Joe's. And, yeah. and, and, and I think... What we're seeing now more than ever, hey, take scheme out of it. My job as a team builder is to make sure that I bring as much talent as I possibly can bring to the team because what happens is your talent can overwhelm the opponent. When I look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on offense, they went and got Rob Gronkowski. They went and got Antonio Brown. They went and got Leonard Fournette. And we could say that they didn't even need those guys because this team was loaded already with all-stars and pro bowlers and Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. We like O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, but it didn't stop the Buccaneers for adding pieces to the puzzle. And when you think about who they eventually were going to have to knock off in the Super Bowl, they wanted to be prepared to win a shootout against the Kansas City Chiefs, the highest, most explosive offense in football. You have to continue to add ammunition to the arsenal they did that and because of that that's why they were able to win yeah uh, and dj i know we talked about it on the uh, our aftermath production meeting you better have some speed right and, and the, yeah. the the bucks have gone about it in, in a lot of different ways on the back end they just kept shooting their shot trying to get the right dbs uh, to be an effective secondary felt like they found that mix you know this year adding antoine winfield and then you go back and you take a, a devin white you know, at linebacker last year at a position that's maybe a little bit more marginalized than others uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and as you're looking at team building anyway, and man, was his speed on display. You'll see that on the aftermath on NFL Network at uh, 3 o'clock Eastern time later today, uh, DJ, with one of your XOs. So, yeah, I thought the uh, the Bucks did a great job assembling a talented uh, roster. Yeah, and you touched on it a little bit there, Rhett, but I think in personnel sometimes we can have – uh, the positions in their in their hierarchy, right? And we talk about, well, you can't take, you know, you can't take a running back in the first round. That's not smart. You can't take a wide receiver uh, early because you can find wide receivers anywhere. You know, off the ball linebackers. Uh, if you're going to take a linebacker in the top ten, he's got to be able to rush the quarterback. Yeah. You know, run stuffing defensive tackles. Those guys are those are dinosaurs. They don't really matter anymore. But I think Jason Light and the Bucks were smart in that they said these are premier players. So. I'm not going to I'm not going to take a lesser player at, at corner or edge rusher in the draft and bypass what I think is an elite premier player at linebacker, right. uh, at wide receiver or at defensive tackle. I, I think that was smart. And I think, you know, Buck, we can talk about I do believe there's an importance of position. Like we can talk about tackles and, and edge rushers and corners and quarterbacks, obviously. But that's for when things are close. When when you have Devin White who's ranked up here. You do not pass Devin White to take maybe a corner who you have ranked down there. Right. DJ, I, I think this is a great lesson for all of us, a reminder. Man, 
if you pick talented players, you have a really talented team. And even though we get pigeonholed into thinking about certain positions having more value than others, I think it's really simple. If we were going out to the park and Devin White is out there and he's running around, he looks better than everybody else, I want him on my team. And so Jason Light deserves credit because we will talk about it at nauseum. Look at the collection of talent, the number of first-round picks that they have on this team. You and I had a call yeah. off-air where you just talk about the number ones that are on this team. Man, when you start bringing in these blue-chip players, ultimately you can have a blue-chip team. If the pieces of the puzzle fit together correctly, they fit. And I just think this was an example of what you can do when you have a lot of talent. And guys, that leads me right into my takeaway from this game. Uh, our third takeaway here following Super Bowl 55, which was the Bucks pursuit of greatness at all levels in that organization paid off on Sunday. And so, like, I'm going to take it, you know, I, look, I think you got also got to start at the ownership level because, you know, there were some lean years during Jason Light's tenure as general manager through the, the, the Lubby Smith era, the Dirk Cutter era, and then, you know, giving them the patience, giving him the patience to build this team the right way. And then finally, once you felt like you got close, they were able to make these last few moves. And that's where they deserve a ton of credit, right? And they, they, they make the, they say, look, we've got some talent here. We need the field general in the elite player at the quarterback position. It did not work with Jameis Winston. Let's recognize that that was not the play for us. It's not the play moving forward. Let's go find a guy that is. Of course, Tom Brady becomes available. Players like that never become available. We get it. That's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. But they made it happen, right? They made it happen. And then once they got Brady, they continued that pursuit of greatness that it was going to require to find themselves on the ultimate stage. Antonio Brown, uh, you know, later in the season as a pickup. Leonard Fournette, after getting waived by the, by the uh, Jaguars, it all paid off on that night. And then again, we talk about... You know, I, I've talked about it a couple of times. You know, they swung and missed on a few DBs, you know, in the last five or six years in the draft. But, man, they kept swinging. Sean Murphy bunting paid off. Antoine Winfield Jr. this past year as a rookie paid off in a huge way. And uh, and so I just – I think that uh, they deserve a lot of credit in that uh, that front office, that evaluation, uh, those evaluators up there and the personnel guys, uh, a ton of credit there. And how about Bruce Arians? You know, coming back from retirement to continue his pursuit doesn't matter, you know, how long it takes you to get that opportunity to be a head coach in the Super Bowl. But what do you do once you're there? But well, we saw it and uh, we saw it and we saw the way he's empowered other coaches and coordinators on his staff. Um, and so that pursuit of greatness, uh, regardless of what that staff looks like, uh, I thought is, is to be absolutely commended from Bruce Arians. And then, you know, from the players and Tom Brady. His pursuit of greatness is documented, but I think he is that player that raises everyone else's quest for greatness around him. And uh, we saw that this year as well. So I just thought that that, that core, that greatness, that pursuit uh, was on full display on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, Red, I want to talk about Tom Brady and what Tom Brady brought. I know a lot of people will talk about his skills. I think the best thing that he brought was a winning pedigree and how to do it because we saw this Tampa Bay team change from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And I think the one thing that we can recognize, I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers paid more attention to detail and were a more disciplined bunch because of Tom Brady and what he may have learned from his time in New England, what he practices in his personal life when it comes to the way that he develops his own skills. This team was more buttoned up. 
they're more detailed, and that, combined with the talent, enabled them to be champions. I think his biggest contribution is teaching them how to win more so than how he played. And I, I was thinking of a couple teams, guys. Uh, I was thinking, first of all, about this Bucks team, right? So you, you have Jameis Winston last year, threw for 5,000 yards. Obviously, the turnovers were sky high. But you could have convinced yourself, look, this guy was the number one overall pick. We invested in him. He threw for 5,000 yards. There's a lot of good we can take from this. But there was no satisfaction with that. The results weren't where they wanted them to be. So they said, we've got to get better and look at what an upgrade at the most important position in sports can mean for your franchise. I think it fits perfectly into what we've seen uh, with the Rams, right? The Rams went to the mm -hmm. Super Bowl not long ago, but that wasn't good enough for them yeah. uh, to come up short. Well, so they felt like they had to upgrade that position. Let's go. Let's be aggressive. Let's make it happen. Somebody's going to try and multiple teams are going to try with Deshaun Watson and say, this is, we can't overpay. If we can get better at that position, you can't overpay. So let's make a run for it here. Um, I, I, I look at teams around the league, uh, Buck, and I think of who's going to be, you know, much better at quarterback next year. I, I think the Rams are going to be better with Stafford. I think obviously the Jags are going to be better having a Trevor Lawrence, a younger player than what they played with last year. But when I'm going through all the list of teams, I don't know there's a team that, that's going to be more improved than the Dallas Cowboys. Just just getting Dak Prescott back, uh, what that can mean. So do you see teams now trying to follow this Bucks approach, which is, man, for you know, screw it. We're going all in. Let, let's be aggressive. Let's try and build up the pieces around here. Uh, if it costs us draft picks, if it costs us free agent money, we can figure out the salary cap later. Um, but I just love the overall aggressive approach yeah. coming from a Padre fan uh, who saw Relentless. our team be very aggressive in the offseason. I love it, man. I love it when sports uh, look this way. You know, DJ, I mean, since we're talking about baseball, I love it just seeing what the Dodgers continue to do. Yeah. Add talent upon talent because that's how you win. I think both of these quarterbacks, because I want to make sure that we talk about Patrick Mahomes and what he has also forced everyone else in the league to do. Many of us thought that this would be a coronation party for the Kansas City Chiefs and what they did and how you need to get an upgraded quarterback to deal with Patrick Mahomes. I think what we're seeing, the most important position in football, everyone is chasing one of those golden goose, someone who can do the different stuff, the extra stuff. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, if you don't have a special player at that position, you need to spend every expense to make sure you get one because that's the only way you're going to win over the next 10 to 15 years because these quarterbacks are absolutely loaded. No doubt. Uh, it's very true here. Let's uh, let's keep it going here to number four on the takeaway list. And that was that the Kansas City offensive game plan was flawed. Um, you know, I tweeted out a, a stat. It was, uh, I think, 92% of the snaps, according to Next Gen Stats, they were in uh, five-man protection. Now, there's some dispute about that when you're, when you're you know, check release in the back or you're chipping uh, with a tight end. So you'd say they gave those guys a little bit of help, but not enough. Uh, not enough at all. I was on a, a text thread yesterday during the game with two NFL defensive coordinators. We're like, look, they didn't adjust. They never adjusted. They, you know, mix in some six or seven man protection. For crying out loud, run the football. They're going to play with two high safeties as much as Tampa did. They're daring you to run the football. I know you've got backups in there, but when you look at it, when they did run the ball, they had success. They just, they just didn't do it. And I thought it was the same game plan. Uh, you know, Buck, we were doing that game, the first game, Buffalo, yes. Kansas City. We were doing that one for Amazon. And the yes. Chiefs we were like, you know, hey, Andy Reid and company, very patient. They want to play that. We're just gonna, we're just gonna milk it. We'll run the ball right down the field, and eventually, uh, that's gonna be, lead to victory. It might not be the sexiest, it might not be the most exciting, but if you're gonna play in that look, that's what we have to do. And I thought there was some stubbornness with the Chiefs in this game. 
You know, DJ, so here, here's the thing where I'm conflicted, right? Because you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You come in with Patrick Mahomes. You won, what, 25 out of 26, 26 out of 27. There's a, an arrogance where you walk into the stadium and say, man, we're just going to do what we do. This is what we do. We're Mar- Mariano Rivera. We're throwing the cutter, and that's all we're throwing because it's been very successful. Now, the problem is they started knocking the cutter out, yeah, and you didn't yeah. go to anything else. And I think this is going to be a defining moment for the Kansas City Chiefs, much like the Super Bowl that we saw with the Patriots and the Rams, altered everything for the Rams because the Rams' offense hasn't been the same since they saw that Patriots' defense and the world took a look at that blueprint and started copying it. What will the Kansas City Chiefs do from here when everyone, everybody is going to put two safeties in the parking lot and they're going to say, we don't think you're patient enough to beat us with the running game and the dink and dunk approach. This will be an offseason where the Kansas City Chiefs have to add something to what they do because everyone is going to see how teams have slowed them down and, and copy it and steal it. Yeah, and I think, look, getting healthier on their offensive line is going to help help a whole bunch. And, uh, you know, being more committed to the run game, which I know you're going to get into here in a little bit, uh, Bucky, but um, I, th- I think you guys are right. Um, I, I think that there was – I don't know if it was arrogance, but there was a certain confidence in your gameplay, in your philosophy to win games this year and to win games – uh, as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have been together and to overcome deficits. And this is how we've done it in the past. This is how we've done it. Well, when you're facing a team that's defending you, you know, I don't want to say unlike any other team has, but as effectively uh, as any other team has, there was a, there was a, a too slow of, of, an, uh, of a mind, of a, a thought process to figure it out. And, uh, and, yep. and that certainly hurt him in this game. And I'll get to you, Buck, with your last takeaway on this, just to wrap this whole thing up. This was not – Todd Bowles did a wonderful job with some right. with how they maneuvered some of their rush up front. I, I thought, you know, corners and mixing and matching, but really mostly bringing four guys. Play, rushing four, playing too high against this team is not something that hasn't been done before. We've sure. seen a lot of teams do it. We mentioned Buffalo, um, but in, in, in Kansas City's defense – there's not, I don't know if there's another team with the speed at the second level to be able yep. to suck up all that stuff underneath. So even when they did take checkdowns, which would be 12, 15-yard gains against most teams, I mean, those two linebackers were sucking those dudes up at the line of scrimmage sometimes for tackles for loss yep. um, on some of those checkdowns. So they were uniquely uh, situated to get home with four, have linebackers at the second level that can really, really run um, and just keep the ball in front of you on the back end. So th- their their roster was constructed for this game plan. So that, that would be their defense. Last thing, Buck, before you get to your final takeaway, I would just add here, going back and watching the tape, Mahomes had about three or four plays, which should have been caught, which would have made this a very competitive game. Probably the best uh, just, incomplete pass in Super Bowl history. Oh, right? Incredible. That was yeah. incredible. But you had the one early to Kelsey – you had one yeah. to Tyree Kill yeah. that should have been a touchdown that was dropped. And then that crazy yeah. one where he was laid out horizontally that you're referencing there. So, yeah, um, yeah crazy, crazy, uh, crazy throws there from him. All right, Buck, what's the final one? The running game still matters. Here's the snap, run the ball to the right, got a blonde boy to the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Tampa Bay. Leonard Fournette takes it to the house and the Bucks lead 27 to 9. You know, DJ, when we read, when we think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a lot of the attention naturally goes to Tom Brady. But I think that really helped them the most in the postseason was the emergence of the running game. 
Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones did a great job of balancing out this offense. And when you look at this game, first three quarters, they ran on first down about 50% of the time. And so at a time where analytics tells you you have to throw it and throw it and throw it all over the yard, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers knew exactly who they were. They ran the football. They controlled it. They shortened the game. And because they were able to run it, the complimentary play-action passing game got going, and they never put themselves in harm's way. I just believe as we get down to it in the last month, the running game always begins to increase in priority. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers embraced it, and it's one of the reasons why they have the Super Bowl title. Yeah, and guys, I'll say this. The, the only thing I'll say about the, the Bucs running game, because we've talked about how we didn't see enough of the run from the Chiefs, but for the Bucs, Ronald Jones, I felt like, became a different player and a different type of weapon wow. for them once Leonard Fournette was utilized in the right way. I mean, like, you look at the first carry for Ronald Jones in this game, he is shot out of a cannon, no pun intended, <laughs> for 13 yards. I mean, like, he has mm-hmm. a little bit more of that one-cut quickness through the line than we see with Fournette. They have, they have some different styles there. And, you know, while they're while it's not like big back, small back type of thing, man, they have, they have a really good one-two punch and a nice change of pace uh, when, when, you know, when either one of them uh, substitute in there. That's a, that is a nice running back duo. Yeah, three runs of 10-plus uh, of yards in this game, as Bucky mentioned, all on first down. First and 10, um, just established the run, which is kind of old school, but uh, it, it worked in a big way. Uh, in this ball game, I think it, it kind of we finished up talking about the running game mattering. Um, we started off talking about the Bucks being superior in the trenches. I, I think when you boil it all down, that's what it was. The more physical team, as is often the case when you get in these championship matchups, uh, the more physical team won the Super Bowl. And uh, hats off to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, it's time for Be Prepared, presented by Castrol Edge. And, Buck, you had a chance at the Reese's Senior Bowl to visit with Kadarius Toney, a talented wide receiver from the University of Florida. Uh, I thought was the highest-rated player going into the Reese's Senior Bowl. Had a fantastic week. Uh, you had a chance to catch up with the talented Gator. The wide open first down and then some. Tony still on the move. The turbo kicking in. Tony TNT. Touchdown, Gators. Join the Move 6 podcast, man. We're so excited to have on Florida standout wide receiver, Kadarius Tony. How you doing, KT? I'm good. I'm good. What about you guys? Man, it is all good. Just, you know, in, in thinking about your journey, making it all the way from high school to going through college to now you're in the midst of the NFL draft process. What has it been like for you? Uh, it's been kind of a crazy journey to... Um, really see that the work that I put in really paying off and I'm getting opportunity that I never received before. You know what I'm saying? Recognition that I feel like I deserve, but uh, I've never been a brag. I've always been a humble person. So it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of mixed feelings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Now you had an opportunity to play on a big stage at UF, the Gators, and you guys have been known to produce like big time wide receivers. What was that experience like, particularly after Dan Mullen got there? Uh, honestly, the experience was pretty cool. It was pretty neat. Um, just accepting the coaching and, um, I guess, uh, embarking on a new journey with accepting a new head coach, you could say. Because, um, you know, I started with Jim McElwain and that staff, and the transition with Mullen them, the, the culture that they brought in, and uh, I guess you could say the foot that they put forward, it was it was kind of it was kind of a neat experience to uh, really be a part of. You know, and everybody when they have an opportunity to watch you play man just so much juice like so much explosiveness terrific in terms of like the way that you run with the ball in your hands like when you, when you think about your game what what is the best part of the game 
honestly, I say playmaking. I feel like uh, just getting the ball in my hand, just explosiveness and being able to create plays when no one else can or when we need them uh, most, honestly. Here's the quarterback, Trask, backing up and throws for an open receiver caught. Kadarius Tony with a touchdown. You know, it, it's funny because you talk about playmaking. It seems like the NFL is shifting to more playmakers as opposed to just pure receivers. You're seeing guys like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, guys that are terrific with the ball in their hands. Who are some of the guys in the NFL that you pattern your game after? Uh, I say Camaro. Most people say Tyreek Hill because of speed and his electric uh, ability to make plays and stuff. But I say Camaro because his balance and the way he's agile and in and out of cuts and stuff like that. I feel like that's what that I kind of similar my game to him. See, I know it goes deeper than just the, the way that Kamara plays, because I know Kamara also dabbles in the music game. Uh, talk a little bit about you, because I, I, know, I know you get down. I know you have bars and all that other <laughs> stuff. Talk about talk about your passion for music and how it's, it's been a positive influence on your life. Honestly, uh, my passion for music was always there, like in adolescence, just playing around with music. But I started taking it like serious like the past couple of years to really like, I guess you could say, keep my nose clean or stay out of trouble or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I mean, I feel like it's a, another way to keep me balanced in a way. Um, because I feel like if you have all your eggs in one basket, you're never going to always be successful through like stuff like that. Okay, so so now we, we're going to talk about you because we always understand like what you can do as an athlete. But we talk about this music thing. We've had a handful of athletes that have cut albums have been successful. We've seen Shaq back in the day like that's that's before you Shaq I think he might have had a platinum album that, that came out we've seen Kobe the late Kobe Bryant dabbled in it right now I think Dame Lillard is the guy that's pretty hot in, ter- in terms of doing it and so if we could think about where you would eventually like to stack up as a musician like like are we trying to be like a real legitimate respected rapper is it just something that you do for fun uh, basically, I do it for fun. But if it, if those come with it, I'm willing to accept that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not shy. I'm not gonna shy away from that. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think the music ambitions are are terrific. But obviously, keeping the main thing the main thing. You're here. You're on this platform because you have an opportunity to be a special player in the league. What are some of the things that you're working on from the time you finished up at Florida? until we get to the draft to make yourself a better player? Um, honestly, I've been trying to work on my route running ability. Um, I guess, like, you could say, like, film habits, um, taking the coaching from the NFL coaches, like, different things I can work on, like, different things I can pick up from those guys and uh, take for with me, honestly. You know, so the only thing that we're going to have left um, along the journey is you're going to have your pro day and those things. What would you like to show scouts when you have an opportunity to – to get in front of them one last time in your pro day, what would you like to show off? I just want to just show them what I'm what I'm made of, like what what I can all do, honestly. Like my vertical, how fast I can run, how fast I get in and out of break, how well my hands is, how well I focus, and uh, that I'm a dog, honestly. Well, man, we appreciate the dog nature because when I watch you play, you're such a relentless competitor. I'm wishing you the best of luck on your journey. Uh, thanks so much for joining the Mood of Six podcast. Thank you. All right, Buck, what was your impression getting a chance to visit with him? You know, I really liked him. I really liked the kid, and I think he's matured uh, the right way during his time in Florida. Very competitive player, and I think you saw that competitiveness come out when we had a chance to watch him at the Senior Bowl. I'm excited to watch him as a pro because he's one of the the guys that has that stop-start quickness, that explosive acceleration that you see on vertical routes. 
he can do a lot. I think people looking for a catch and run specialist, he's one of the best in the draft this year. Yeah, he came into the week as my highest rated player at the Reese's Senior Bowl. Receiver wise, I have a Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, then Kadarius Tony. So I have him as the fourth wide receiver uh, overall in the draft class. He dropped a couple balls in practice. Unfortunately, I uh, got a little bit nicked up, couldn't play in the game. But man, the dynamic change of direction, the stop start quickness, as you were talking about, it's pretty elite. There, there's some, in terms of the stop, stop start stuff, a little Chad Johnson, which is how violently he can get in and out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's uncommon to find someone who can go that fast and put their feet in the ground and get back out and redirect. He has some special qualities. I would love to see him get with a really creative offensive mind with a really good wide receiver coach and really see his game go from what I think is already pretty good to great at the next level. Yeah, and I could see him like somebody like Tyreek Hill, who early on in his career mm. making that impact on special teams, then growing and evolving as a receiver, developing. I think you could see the same thing with him. He doesn't have that type of top speed that Tyreek Hill has, but he can make a big-time impact on special teams. And as he's developing, flipping him a bubble screen, putting him in the backfield, just getting the ball in his hands as he continues to develop as a route runner. Yeah, I think that's important, and I think that's the way of the world. Now, right now it's about – how many touches can we get our, our, to our top targets, our, our top playmakers on offense? Can we give them enough volume where they can impact the game? And I think he has that ability to be a high-volume, big-play artist. Yeah, no doubt. Well, there you have it. That was Be Prepared, presented by Castro Edge. Well, it was, a, uh, it, it was a really sad weekend for all of us at the NFL media group um, you know we had the big run-up to the Super Bowl and it's supposed to be the culmination of a, a really trying year and a celebration but uh, uh, we found out over the weekend that we lost uh, one of our brothers in, uh, in Chris Wessling who uh, has uh, just been battling uh, cancer for quite some time and had overcome it for a while and it came back in an aggressive fashion and um, you guys know him. I'm sure most of our audiences cross over with the, sure. with the Around the NFL podcast. And there are there are buddies. We have kind of a fake feud that we have a lot of fun with, but yeah. there are there really are good uh, are good close friends. And uh, you know, Rhett, I don't know uh, I don't know how how you found out, but I just yeah. when when I uh, when I received that phone call, I was just in shock. Yeah, um, it's really the only way to describe it. I can tell you this though, sitting here in the podcast studio in, uh, in what was Chris's seat, feel a whole lot smarter sitting in this seat today. Um, better believe that. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't as close, uh, with Chris as, as the guys who sat next to him for hundreds of episodes in, in years here on the, around the NFL podcast. And so I think it's like even more meaningful that I was able to, recognize and easily see so many of the things that Chris loved, uh, his love for the nuance of football, uh, for the profession of writing. Um, and, you know, most notably his love for his friends and his family, certainly Lakeisha, his wife, uh, who met here at NFL Network and uh, their young son, Link. And I, I keep coming back to the word uh, sharp um, because it's got this really, this double meaning because Chris was as sharp as they come, right? If you followed him on the Around the NFL podcast, if you followed his work uh, online for us at NFL.com and all of our digital mediums, like 
he was as sharp a football mind as was out there. And that was easy for anyone to see. Um, he was sharp with his wit uh, and, and, uh, and his thinking on the spot, um, but it was always delivered with a smooth edge. And, you know, I think about all of that, him being sharp on that side of the way we knew him uh, in diagnosing and discussing and dissecting football. And then, of course, that's second only to the sharp pain that his loss leaves all those whom he loved. So um, our thoughts certainly with uh, with his entire family um, after his passing. Sad. Yeah, very sad, you know, because in this business, man, you, you remember those people who are good to you, those people who set great examples for you and those that come behind you. And I like to say that Chris Wessling certainly did that for me. Having watched him up close and from afar, you have a tremendous amount of appreciation for the way that he went about his business. Red, you talked about yeah. his embracing of the nuance of football and the things that he has been able to write going really up under the hood to talk about some of the history of the game and some yeah. of the innovations of the game and the way that he was able to do those things. And then I think about, you know, watching how he got along with everybody, being a part of the softball team and yeah. the people that he brought together. And obviously his family, his wife, Lakeisha, and their young son, Link, and, you know, what was ahead for them. And so a lot of times during these moments, like we're really, really sad, but I think it's a time to really celebrate all sure. of the good that Wes showed us. And if we can be better for it in terms of just treating those around us nice, helping others and just trying to bring everybody together to make it a very inclusive process as we go about walking through life. I think Chris will smile upon us and we will be blessed yeah. for that. A great man, a, a terrific person. And I think we all are blessed to have had our time with him while he was on this earth. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we could use more of in the world. And I think gentleness is, is one of them. And I would use that word to describe Wes, just a gentle. He was just a gentle man. He really was. And I have a couple stories. I you know, I, I got to know Wes over the last several years, and and we became friends. We weren't nearly as close as his as his buddies there at around the NFL, and, and with Erica and Colleen and and others. Um, and we're thinking and praying for all of them, as well as Lakeisha and Link during this time. But just a couple stories about my interactions uh, with Wes, just kind of tell you a little bit about him. Um, I would I would stay up during Path to the Draft in previous years before all the home camp stuff started. I would stay up in LA a couple nights a week. Um, and Wes kind of knew that I was doing that. And so he asked like, Hey, where do you, where do you eat when you come up there? I said, I, I usually just eat in the hotel. I'm like an old scout. Like we just get the easy food. You get back in your room and you watch tape. That's what you do. And he's like, do you like hamburgers? I'm like, I, I love hamburgers. Like there's a great hamburger place, not far from where you're staying. And I'm going to mess up the name of it, but I think it's Hanana uh, burger or whatever. It's like a little dive bar. Uh, so he's like, I'll meet you there. So he, he met me there. Uh, we sat and had a had a had a hamburger and sat out there and hung out for for the evening there and we just talked football. We we just had it was so much fun. He's so so passionate. You could feel his passion through the podcast. Yeah. You could feel it through his writing. But uh, just that that was a fun night. Just getting a chance to talk ball with him and he's so easy uh, to conversate with as, as everybody knows. So that that was one of them. And the other one was 
Uh, Lakeisha is a huge Cardinals fan, a huge St. <laughs> Louis Cardinals fan. So uh, the Cardinals are going to be playing the Padres uh, down in San Diego. My folks have had uh, season tickets, and you can see the picture right there with, with our buddy Tara Deeker. She was there with them and came down with them. I had a couple of my kids with me, so we sat in some other seats. Uh, but we went and met up and took this picture, um, and we I was joking with Wes. I'm like, so it was a blistering hot day. I mean, like we just got fried, and, and the seats are right in the sun. And so I'm like, Wes, dude, you you are getting fried. The top of your head is fried. Um, and he's like, I'm not even a Cardinals fan. I'm a Reds fan. Like we sat, we, so we started talking about the Reds. The Padres weren't any good that year. Uh, but he knew Lakeisha loved the Cardinals. He's going to make a fun day of it. So they had a great trip uh, down there at Petco watching the game. And we talked about Eric Davis and Tony Gwynn. And we had we had a great conversation there. But um, a sweetheart of a man. Um Someone that is going to be missed uh, to uh, to say it. Uh, I don't know any other way to say it, but Wes, uh, we love you. We miss you. And Lakeisha and Link, anything you guys need. Uh, the line is very long yeah. of us who will be there to help you. So uh, we love you guys. Um, here's a little bit more on our friend Chris Wesley. My name is Dan Hansis. Joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wesling. Greg Rosenthal with the pocket square. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. It is the game of both skill and valor, also known as... Win Wes's Toaster. In a big spot. An 8-3 team on a six-game winning streak? I'm gonna look it up! Jesus Christ. The live show success, the meetup. Even more of a success. You guys have sat behind me or sat beside me for 700 shows. You Wait sat beside me for a grueling battle with cancer. Will you stand beside me on the most important day of my life? Oh. The wine is blue because we're having a baby boy. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Something is always lost in art or experience when you analyze it. Mark Twain, once he became a riverboat pilot and learned the technical side of it, the Mississippi River was no longer beautiful for him. If I was to hire a sports writer, the first question I was going to ask him is, how do you reconcile the essential meaninglessness of sports? I mean, how do you reconcile watching young men bang into each other and try to advance an inflated pigskin against marked territory? I mean, that's what you're doing. How do you reconcile the importance of that? And I think it's like, Shakespeare's poems or Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, this is going above and beyond. At its best, sports is look at what humans can do. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. 
Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.